Welcome to the Feel Better Naked Radio, where your host, Samantha Burgos, sits with influential beings to discuss how they feel better naked. Let's explore what it means to be you. Let's learn how to feel better naked. Hey guys, welcome to the Feel Better Naked Radio. This is your host, Samantha Burgos. Super excited to have you guys on today. Um, On today's episode, I got to sit with Ashton Berry. Um, She's definitely a disruptor in her industry. And she honestly really gave me so much perspective in this interview that it left me speechless at some point. And honestly, um, she I was very inspired by her prior to interviewing her. But definitely after interviewing her, I like what an amazing person. And I wish her the best. And I'm so honored she sat with me. Um, and there's so many takeaways in this episode from, you know, leading your own path to being confident and owning your confidence and owning your stance in the world. Um, I hope you guys enjoy this episode and yeah, listen in. Hey guys, welcome to the Feel Better Naked Radio. This is your host, Samantha. And today I have the pleasure of sitting with Ashton Berry. Ashton, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good, good. There's no sun today in New York City, so but still, I'm okay. <laughs> um, I guess uh, where you you in New York? Uh, I live I live part time in New York, and but I, my home base is New Orleans. Oh, so have you been down there the whole time, like during COVID and stuff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, interesting. Okay, because I'm like, yeah, I think she's from New York, but at the same time, like something gives me a vibe that you're not. So I was like, okay, that's why I asked. Okay. I'm from Chicago originally. Oh, well, yeah. Actually, tell us about yourself. <laughs> Let's start there. <laughs> tell us about yourself. Um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in Chicago um, and also Memphis, Tennessee. Um, I've lived kind of all over the states. I've been in the hospitality industry off and on since the age of 15. Um, and, you know, I, along the way, have gained a lot of different skill sets outside of the hospitality industry including um, becoming a sociologist and researcher um, and, you know, transformative justice mediation skills and things of that nature. That's awesome. That's awesome. Tell me about um, America's Table and Radical Exchange and what those are and I guess like what's going on there and how they kind of were created. Uh, Yeah, you know, Radical Exchange is a creative agency. We work with private clients um, to create food and beverage experiences. Well, it doesn't necessarily focus on that, but the idea is that um, people a lot of times want to produce uh, events based on social issues, and kind of what we do is try to help them do that in creative ways that incorporate food and beverage and other things, um, and add depth to it. Um, And then Unite America's Table is just an initiative that was started during COVID to really help uh, focus uh, political energy in the hospitality industry. Um, and what we kind of see our role is, is something a little bit different, is pushing for research um, and data. Um, yeah, pushing for research and data, because while you would think there would be a ton of research on the hospitality industry, there's actually very limited research on the hospitality industry. And the issue with that is that data uh, pushes policy. Um, so it means that we know that 70% of business owners in the hospitality industry are small independent business owners. But because there's no data about them, it means that large corporations like Starbucks, McDonald's, and chain restaurants 
actually um, push and get to lobby for the policies um, that generally don't benefit the other people in the industry. That's awesome. I that's like I said before. Like it's one thing that definitely like when I came across your like page, I was like, oh my god! Like I never you understand? Like I never considered or even thought about social injustice and like the hospitality industry together. Like one of my best friends is really into hospitality, and like I previously used to work in hospitality too. And I was like, wow! Like I've never even thought about those two things. Like I guess how did how did that come up to be like? Yeah, like what was your story kind of behind it? Like how how did you end up here creating those two things? Um, you know, I think just like it was a natural kind of evolution. Um, I've done a lot of just kind of engagement uh work period and community work just because of the household I was raised in. Um, my mom was a sexual educator and um community advocate and so um it's kind of just was a natural evolution of my skill set. I worked I worked for not-for-profits throughout college, after college. Um, so yeah, it was just kind of a net. That's awesome. Um, I think like, well, what's currently happening at those two brands you have going on, uh, Radical Exchange and American Table? Uh, Radical Exchange is gearing up for 2021 conference, which we also hold a conference for trade and officiados in the hospitality industry. Uh, the conference is focused on the contribution of Black people from the diaspora to hospitality, and that includes food systems as well. Um, and so we'll be we'll be talking about that and do, doing that. Um, that that conference happens in February. Okay. Um, a, and the link up on your page, I can put it on the show notes for. Um, it radical exchange. The website is resistance serve. Uh, the tickets. Don't go on sale until September, but right, cool. um, yeah, so you can see stuff about yeah, you can there's stuff about past years, um, and then um, America's Table is gearing up to take our first data collection, so we're going to be releasing a hospitality census, um, which is going to be focused on basically getting that data from small businesses and laborers. Our push is to get um, uh, one million people to fill it out. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, so which, which baby came first? Well, Radical Exchange, I'm assuming, right? You said the ones do because of COVID. Yeah, Radical Exchange right. is, going, is, a, is going on two years. And United America's Table just started up like four months ago. So how did you come up with, like, how did Radical Exchange come up to be? Like, what, was there like a situation in your life that you were like, fuck this, I need to create this? Or like, what happened? Um... You know, I think, I think what really just, I don't even know if you can say like what happened. I think I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur. So that's part of it. But I think the other part is that there was a necessity. Um, there wasn't, uh, there isn't a company that exists like resistance, like radical exchange. There isn't a conference that exists like resistance serve. Um, and so it was really important for us to create something, um, that that would speak to people of color and other marginalized identities um and so that's what we did um but other than that there was there's there was no like i really need to do this or things like that it was kind of just the evolution of where i was in my career um and kind of what needed to be i kind of saw where i wanted to go in the career and, you know, if I was going to be working as many hours as I did, I decided that I'd rather work for myself. 
I love that. No, girl, I feel you. Trust. I feel you on that. <laughs> um, I think that um, I kind of want to know. I can't. Well, I can imagine, but since what radical exchange does is so unique and it's such a like niche thing, did did you ever face any kind of like challenges with your confidence in that sense of like how this whole thing might play out or like any moments where you lacked some kind of confidence? And then I'm kind of curious on. How did you overcome that moment? Um, I will say I I don't think I struggle with confidence the same way a lot of people do. Um, and mainly because I don't base my worth and my value off of what other people think or what mm. other people value. Um, I And I learned that at a very young age not to do that. Um, you know, it's not people's job to like you or understand you as long as they respect you and care for you. That's what matters. Uh And that takes negotiation. Um, and so, you know, yeah, people didn't get it. There were people who told me that it wasn't a smart business to open, that they didn't get why I was opening the business, that it probably, I remember people said their resistance serve wasn't going to be very successful and wasn't going to do well, but like, you know, people also said those things to when the CEO of Starbucks and they said that to Oprah Winfrey and they said that to many people, you know, they said that to George Washington Carver who filed 200 patents, even though we only know him for peanut butter. They said that to Rosa Parks who did more than sit on the bus, but like was one of the people who helped take the first sexual assault a case to the Supreme court. Like, you know, it, if you base what you do in life on what others think, then you are basing your life off of their limitations, not yours. Girl, you just dropped so, so much gems. You just dropped so much gems. <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna have to <laughs> No, because you're you're like, percent right. You just can't you can't let things like that. Um I'm not saying that it doesn't hurt. I'm not saying that like it feels good, because it doesn't feel good, you know? The reality is that it, it doesn't feel good when people can't see your vision and don't support it. But I think I try to live a life where even if I can't see visions, people, I support it because you're not supposed to see everything, right? You can only see what's for you and you can't always see what's for other people. And so you can't be mad at people who can't see, see what's for you because it's not for them. They're not supposed to see it. Um, as long as they support you and don't try to dissuade you from doing what you need, that's what's important. But yeah, I, I, I did have moments where I was frustrated. I had moments that I was sad. Um, I definitely had moments where success came, where I had moments of depression. No one, no one really prepares you. Everybody talks about, well, what if you fail? No one prepares you for what if you succeed, um, which, is dis- which is difficult. You know, it it is difficult to, um, people expect when you do something new to not do it well and for it to fail, right? What they don't expect you to do is, even if you don't do it perfect, to figure it out and make it work, yeah. right? And that's almost scarier because once you do it, the expectation is that you'll continue to do it right. and you'll continue to do it well. Um, and that's a lot of pressure. But then again, that calls back to you got to get out of other people's mind and heads of their expectation and get back to what the work is. And as long as you remain honest and transparent about where you are, I think that's what matters, right? You're not going to always get it right. 
You're not going to always kill it. There's going to be times where you're going to knock it out the park. And there's going to be times where it's just okay. Regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, all of it's provided you an opportunity for growth. And if success looks like growth, then you never fail. Right. Right. Wow. No, I love, I love that you just said all that. And I think that you, the key point that I definitely got from that was just making sure that you are like in line with the mission versus considering or even thinking about what others think about that. Cause you have, you're totally right. Like not everyone's supposed to understand your mission or what you're putting out there, you know? And I think that's, right. that's, that's very not spoken about at least often enough, you know, like people definitely need to like push that message out there a little more. Cause you're right. What makes you self-conscious about stuff are other people's opinions. It's not even like what you're actually doing. Right. I mean, it's also about the story you tell yourself. Right. You know, how do, you know, people internalize stories a lot. They internalize the stories that, uh, they internalize the things that they see in the world and they internalize the stories that people tell them about themselves. And sometimes we internalize the stories that we make up about ourselves. Right. And part of, having emotional talent um, and being healthy is knowing when the stories we are telling ourselves aren't rea- based on reality or truth. Right. A hundred percent. They are based you, on our fears. They are based on our fears. They, they, they feed our fears, sis. <laughs> if anything. Um, I feel like how, um, I guess when you come yourself, like when you find yourself coming across a story, how do you, what's your thought process or how do you manage kind of going through that so you can realize that it's a whole bullshit story? Like what does that um, do you say? I pause. Okay. I pause. You know, I think some of it is becoming aware of what's happening in your body. I think so often because of capitalism and the ways we've been taught that efficiency is the thing that we should worry that we ignore our bodies. We put our bodies on the back burner to get through it. Um, But our bodies are warning signs. They're information for us telling us how we need to move. Um, And I think, you know, when I see myself getting into a spiral, the first thing is pausing and saying, you know, I need to take a moment, right? And I need to take a moment to also name what, what is making what is making me spiral? Why am I making something that doesn't need to be high stakes? Why am I making it high stakes? And you know, I think another thing is naming that you're scared. I think there was a there's a great research report about how people who tend to be really successful are people who blatantly name when they're scared. Right? And a lot of people don't name that they're scared. They name that they're anxious, you know or they're feeling this, or they, the thing, but a lot of people just don't say, I'm scared. But part of the ability of people who are successful that they say is that their ability to name that they're scared and then do it anyway, mm. right? Um, and I think, you know, one of the things, whether you're successful or not, I think one of the things, even just to be a healthy person, is your ability to assess, because when you're scared, it's generally because you think, of, you think, you think you're in danger, or you have assessed that there's a risk. So if you think that you're in danger, are you socially in danger, right? Are you afraid of how this socially will impact you? Are you financially in danger? Are you physically in danger? It's about assessing where those things lie. And then saying to myself, is this a real danger? Or am I escalating this as something dangerous? Because A, I don't have the tools to do it. 
B, I've never done it before. C, I've done it before and I haven't done it well. Mm. And it's really just breaking it down. And I, and I think oftentimes we're being so reactionary, we aren't taking the time to stop and say, let me break this down and really think this through. That's so true. No, that's very true. I am, um, so I'm, I'm actually thinking about that up. I'm working on a, like a toolbox. I feel like when it comes to every kind of like, I guess, self-care kind of mental health thing, I feel like we should all have like a, like a toolbox where we kind of just, you know, have different yeah. ways of approaching things. And I definitely have one in there that's like just sitting and examining. Cause I feel like there's so much benefit from just taking a pause, like you said, and just sitting and examining and like, trying to process and understand like why you feel a certain way you know like and that's so powerful and i feel like people i wish in schools they taught that sis because honestly like it's it's we we a lot of people act very like reactive based on their emotions and based on things that are kind of yeah not really real you know they are but they're well, we don't real. allow people we don't teach people in america specifically we don't teach people how to um emote right Right. We don't teach people how to emote in ways that don't have to be overly dynamic, right? right. You either are someone who represses their feelings or you're someone who emotes, but maybe not in the most healthy way, right? And that most people don't learn how to do it in a way that doesn't take up all the space in the room until they get older, because that's the only time you really learn how to practice, unfortunately. But yeah, I mean, I think a pause goes a long way. I agree. I think it's great. Do you, do you meditate? Just curious. Uh, I do meditate. It's not something that I've always done, but it's something that I've been doing uh, off and on for a year. Like I just, I was doing really, really well. I kind of like fell off at like part of COVID just because like my schedule went disarray, but mm-hmm. I've gotten back to it. I don't, I mostly, I pretty much always meditate at night. Um, it's wow. the mornings that sometimes get difficult. But yeah. Why do you meditate at night? Just to like calm your mind before bed? Um, yeah, it's a good practice to get great rest. It's a good way to clear your mind. Um, it's a good way. I mean, I think one of the things that I don't watch a lot of TV. Well, now that we've been quarantined off and on, I watch more than I have probably for like two decades. But um, I, in the past, I'm not really a TV person, right? I don't really watch TV. I, I'd rather read a book. Um, but, you know, I kind of hit a wall where I, you know, I was reading like two books a week and it was great. <laughs> but I, I, I hit a wall. I just hit a wall where I was like, you know, I don't want to read anymore. But I, you know, I just found that I was, wake up better rested. I, I wake up in a way that I'm better prepared for the day when I meditate the night before. Um, and I think it's a great way to also, once again, ground and get in tune with your body, what's happening in your body. Um, that's why I asked that. You need to do that at some point. Sorry. Say it again. Sorry. I said at some point you need to do that during the day. You need to get in tune with what's going on with your body. No, I agree. And I only asked because, um, since you mentioned like pausing is very important, I just immediately thought about meditation, you know, so that's awesome. I think, um, Yes. And it's funny you say that because also with TV, I'm not a TV watcher either. But girl, during COVID, I've been watching more TV in these past few months than I have in like five years. Like it's crazy. But anyways, um, <laughs> I think um, I want to ask you this too. How um, what does feel better naked mean to you, and how do you approach feeling better naked? 
Um, like actually being being emotionally naked or like literally naked? Well, whatever it means to you. Like how do you, when you first hear that, feel better naked, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? And how do you approach your definition of that? I mean, I think when I first hear, I think about like being literally naked. I don't have any issue with being naked. I grew up in a house where no one wore, wore clothes. Um, and my mom actively encouraged me not to wear pajamas. Um, my mom was a sexual educator, as I said, you know, my mom would be like, don't wear underwear to bed. Don't wear, you know, she was like, my mom was very much before it was a thing about like nudity is not a negative thing. We should not be shaming children, you know, for wanting to be naked. We should be making them feel more comfortable. So I grew up like that. Um, to the point that I found it kind of embarrassing because none of my <laughs> friends' parents were like that. But I, you know, as I got older, I began to understand, like, that was a really great gift that she gave me. So I've never had a really issue being naked. I've never, you know, honestly, until I turned, till a few years ago, I never really even had, um, not that I didn't like dislike things about my body, but it wasn't until I was turning around 20. I went through this weird phase of from around 27 to 29 where I really didn't like my body. And it was the first time in my life I really didn't like my body. Um, and it was an eye-opening experience for me because I had, I had been through, you know, there's certain things I still don't maybe love, right? But I had never been in a place in my life where I was really critical of my body, right? And um, I remember when not wanting to be naked I, I didn't want to be naked in my own house. I didn't want to look at myself in the mirror. And, you know, honestly, though, that was a wake up call to me that I needed to do some work around my body image. Right. That I was like, you know, something that you've always felt comfortable about. You're now you now are struggling with what what's changed, what's happened. And, um, you know, while I don't like the reasons why I went through that experience, I'm grateful I went through that experience because I think it made me much more empathetic to how much um, not feeling physically safe in your body can change your outlook on the world and not physically feeling free. Um, I think feeling comfortable naked is a really, really important part of uh, growth. I, I really agree too. Honestly, I, um, I relate to, I was not raised that way. I kind of wish I was though, <laughs> but I relate to that. I think as I've gotten older and um you know, as time went on, like moved out of my mom's house and like got my own space and like blah, blah, and got to know myself more. Like, I think, yeah, I definitely think nudity is a big part of just comfort, like physical comfort, you know, and, and being in tune with your body in a way and like just accepting like the, like the physical like vessel you're in, you know what I'm saying? Like right now, I think it's like so important, mm -hmm. you know, and I, and I think that's why I love that your mom, I wish more people would do that, raising their children. Yeah. Like, for example, like for my mom, um, if she ever came over like randomly, I'm just chilling like my undies and like you know, whatever, like a little shirt or something. She's like, girl, put some clothes on. And I'm like, but like, I'm in the comfort of my space. Like, you know, like, and this, is how right. I, this is how I feel best, you know? So why, you know? Um, so I think it's really interesting you brought that up. I guess when you had issues with your, um, during that 27, 29 year thing you're talking about, um, how did you, I guess, come over that? Like what, what process did you approach to kind of overcome that? Um, I think, you know, I definitely think like me journaling um, did, a, did a ton for me about it. Um, 
I definitely think I was hanging out with people who talked about their bodies like that. And even if you're, you know, I was hanging around people and I was in an environment where bodies were picked apart 24 seven and you can be the most confident person, but eventually if you're in a toxic space, it's going to break down. Um, Yeah. It's going to break down how you, how you, um, how you, how you think about your body, but therapy was a big help for me. Um, it really having someone to really kind of course correct and remind me of what I was saying about myself. Um, I'm also just one of those people, like I, I see now that it was a gradual climb before it got really bad when I was 29 about me critiquing my body. Um, it was a gradual claim. It started off as like little small jokes and da 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 that people were making and that I at first would be like, don't joke like that, but then started not to and then started internalizing. And I think, you know, it it reminded me of why boundaries are so important. Right. Um, yeah. Okay. No, I think, um, yeah, journaling is also a, a tool that I've really used um, that has changed a lot for me too. Big time, 100%. I haven't done therapy, and I, I've been wanting to, but I almost want to wait until things, girl, they do, when things get a little more back to BC, like before COVID days. Um, I feel like energy, is a, I would think, I've never been to therapy, but I would think energy is like a big thing. Um, being in a room with like a therapist and just exchanging that energy and kind of just like talking about those sensitive things that once that opens, I feel like I definitely want to do in person versus online. I feel like... I don't know. I feel like it won't be the same in a way, but that's just my personal thoughts on that. I don't know. Um, I guess how do you... Sorry, what? No, go ahead. Okay, no. Um, I was going to say that uh, I'm assuming as you've grown in your career, as you've grown as a a woman and just as a person in general, um, how have you viewed your connection with your growth and your, I guess, your well-being overall and your success? Like, do you feel like those things are linked? Do you feel like, what are your thoughts on your well-being and success? Are they correlated? Are they not? Um, I think I can just, I think, you know, one, it depends on how you quantify success, but I think, mm. I don't know that those two things are related. I think some of the moments where people would say I was at the height of success at some of the points where I was really unhealthy. Um, that's and true. I think there are parts where people are like, what is she doing where I was incredibly healthy, emotionally healthy as a person? So, and, and then there's times where I've been in emotionally healthy and been doing really well career-wise, right? I don't think those things are necessarily correlated um, all of the time. Um, I think that there's a lot of different ways that can play out. And I think that there's multiple different ways you can show up and some of those ways burn you out and some of those ways don't no you're right you know you're the first person i've interviewed that has said no to that question <laughs> to be completely transparent you really and you, i think you raised such a that's such a good point because it's true because there's times that when i'm working really hard like i'm not sleeping so i'm not okay right at all, you know what i mean <laughs> and that's actually really true i think that i think there's a really big myth and i think that a lot of entrepreneurs are pushing a myth that they are successful because they 
take care of themselves well all the time. When the fact of the matter is, is that capitalism really doesn't allow for that. And I call bullshit on almost every person who tries to say that unless they're rich. Right. Because it's it's just it's just not true. And not only is it just not true, it's just not freaking possible. Um Right. So yeah. Right. No, I, I feel you on that. Um and I guess if you were to if someone asked you, How can I find courage to pursue my passion, to do whatever I want to do, create whatever I want to create, what would you say? Or any takeaways in your life that you've gone through that you can tell someone as advice? I mean, I would say you don't need to find it. You know, you like Mm. courage isn't something you go buy or pick up or look for, right? Courage is an actionable choice. Mm. Like, you know, you have to choose how you want to show up in the world. Um, You know, Courage literally means the the ability to do something that frightens one. This is why they say people are successful are people who can name their fears and do it anyway. Right? Right? You you courage isn't something you go find; it's an active choice. So I think you know if someone's struggling with that, I think the first question is, why aren't you choosing it? Right. And, And and do you really want it? Right? That's another question. Do you really want it? And then I think the other question is, is, is that people have to really ask themselves is um, when it comes to being courageous, you know, being courageous about the things that you want, is who told you you didn't deserve it? Right. I think so much of how people set up their lives is based on their beliefs and ideas about what they deserve. Right. It, goes, it all goes back to the stories. You know, the stories you tell yourself that you believe. Yeah. What you hear, what people say about you, you choose to believe it, you know. It's, it's right, because you're right. It's like you have to choose to be courageous. It's not like a thing you find. That's actually such a solid point. I love that. Girl, you're dropping these gems. Uh, I did not expect this. <laughs> not that, not that, you know, not to, like, downplay anything, but no, really, I feel like you said so much so much powerful things that the J I'm like taken back that I don't even know which one to even like touch up on. Cause they're also like great. So I, I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. No, seriously. Like you're so full of wisdom. I know this may sound so cliche, but what Zodiac sign are you? <laughs> uh, I am an Aries. Oh, interesting. My yeah. I'm an Aries and I'm a Scorpio moon. Oh, no wonder you're deep as shit. No wonder, girl. That makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know your, your rising sign? Bunny. Yeah, it's a Gemini. Gemini. Ah, that's so interesting. Okay. Oh, my God. No, yeah. I'm a, so I'm a sun Libra, a moon Sagittarius, and a rising Cancer. Like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's funny because literally, yeah. girl, all my best friends are Aries. And like half my family, I feel I literally like like the whole joke is like I'm surrounded by Aries people. It's hilarious that so you're an Aries too. Okay, <laughs> anyways, um, no, I, I say I had to um, add because I feel like you really have a like you have a lot of depth. So that's why I had a and it has I think to me it's a Scorpio. Yeah, it's it's definitely probably it's definitely that Scorpio in me for sure. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what were you gonna say? You were gonna say something? Mm-mm. No. Mm-mm. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, but. 
I am. Um, so I want to ask you these little trivia questions just so we can get to know Ashton personally a little better. You can answer them however you like. There's no pressure. Um, and they're kind of silly, but it's just for fun. That way we can get to know you as a person better. Um, if you could have one meal forever, Ashton, what would this meal be? If I can have one, what? One, one meal, like one plate of food for the rest of your life. Oh, um, that's hard because I like variety. <laughs> um, for the rest of my life, it'd probably be some Mediterranean. Mm. I don't know what, but it would probably be some Mediterranean food. Okay. Okay. I like that. Um, how, what is your favorite way to move your body? Oh, um, I love to walk and dance. I would say one of those. Okay. Okay. Um, what's your favorite thing about yourself? Mm. Probably my fearlessness. Yeah, very few things. Yeah, I mean, very few things scare me, and the things that scare me uh, rarely stop me. Yeah, no, I I can feel it. Like no, no joke. I feel like you're mad fearless. Well, not fearless, but you don't you don't give a fuck. <laughs> you're like, yeah, I'm doing that, and that's it. Um, I get yeah. that from you. I definitely get that vibe from you, and I think it's respectable as fuck, Loki. It's awesome. Um, what? Is your favorite top three things to do right now? You had a whole day just to Ashton. What are you going to do? Sleep. That's my favorite thing right now. <laughs> I'm so busy. I'm more busy now. I'm more busy now than I was um, During, before COVID. Yeah. And How I was COVID busy before you? COVID. How, How has COVID, COVID treated me? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I've been, I've been nonstop. I think the first three weeks, like in eight, like when it first, well, I was out of town when COVID started. Okay. I was in the Caribbean. So like getting back was a pain. Um, I got back like the last week of March, like, or like, right, like right at the beginning of April, I got back from the Caribbean. Um, I mean, it's been crazy busy for me. I think I had like maybe a couple of weeks that were kind of like not that busy. Yeah. And then it ended up being insane. How do and you? I've been busy ever since. Like, I work sixty hour week. Dang, girl. Well, I mean, that's amazing because I feel like at least the work you're doing is so like necessary. So I think it's awesome. I'm happy for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm blessed. You know what I'm saying? They say it's feast or famine, and you know I'm blessed to be in the position I am. But I definitely like where people have been like, yeah, I'm ready to go back to work. I'm like, I'm ready for a vacation. Like I was busy where before like, COVID. I've been working. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I'm ready for, a, I'm ready for a vacation. That's what I would like. I feel you. I mean, you, you could soon, hopefully. Um, how, um, I guess, in, I'm just curious, in the hospitality industry, how has that been going in general with COVID and stuff? Just, like, curious. Oh, I mean, the, the hospitality industry has been literally, um, it's, it's one of the, it's, it's the industry that has taken the second biggest hit. Um, in America. I mean, I don't think people realize like how important and how big. 
the first is the agricultural and food. The amount of, I don't think anybody realizes how much money food systems are losing right now. So agricultural systems um, make up the largest uh, job provider in the U.S. Mm. Um, with And the hospitality industry is the second largest um, private sector employer, and it's the fifth largest employer period. Wow. Um, and so you're, you're talking about 15 million workers. Yeah. Um, and who about right now, 70% of them are out of work. Yeah. So it's, it's pretty rough and restaurants are closing at an unseen, you know, unprecedented rate. And many of them will not reopen. Yeah, that that that's, that shit kills me, because I feel like I as a, I don't know I can't imagine having a like, a like a restaurant that I'm passionate about that's like mine and I work so hard to do and work and all that stuff and for it just to go down like that like I like my heart goes out to them like like that's crazy. Um. Yeah. It's 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 rough and but also like. You know, the industry wasn't sustainable. Um, and I'm really, I, I'm really grateful that, that this, it, while I don't like the reasons for it happened or how it's happening, yeah. it's really time to reinvent the way that, what hospitality looks like because it, it's only worked for a few. It's only been sustainable for a few for a really long time and that needs to change. Girl, that change came. <laughs> that change came. This yeah. came. Um, so I'm assuming, and this is a very off-topic kind of, but like, so for radical exchange, um, has has that affected your business personally, or has it? Obviously, it's improved it. So I'm assuming you're getting like more. Um. Well, I have a I have another business that's that's like not front facing. It's consulting um, on operations and stuff. Um, I mean, Radical Exchange has not, I mean, we were affected in the sense that like we had to cancel the rest of our events for the year. Um, but otherwise, not really. Like we had a virtual event that was really successful. We're about to have another virtual event that I'm guessing is going to also be um, really successful. And yeah, I like... And we are moving forward with our 2021 conference. So, yes, we've been impacted, but we're doing well. Like, we're not in the same position as a lot of other people. No, true. And again, I'm, I'm happy for you. Like, like you said, blessed. No, that's great. I'm happy to hear that, honestly. Um, yeah, I mean, blessed. And also, we built our businesses. You know, one of the things about businesses that, are new and different in their format is that you often have to work with little means anyway. So we built a business that already was already kind of working in the margins. And um, while, you know, we didn't love that when we started, it taught us a lot of unique ways of how to survive. Right. And again, I think kind of like back to your saying, like, I think this is a time where how crazy this whole thing kind of happened. Um, I think it broke down 
things that needed to be changed to be more sustainable in like so many ways, not just from an operational aspect, but from like a social aspect. And yeah, like just, yeah, a lot. I think, um, again, I, it's so hard for me to talk about COVID because I feel like it, I don't want to seem insensitive, but I almost think it was a blessing in disguise. And um, I mean, I think we can honor both. I think we can honor that like, it's not something that we ever wish happened. But I, I think we can also say it's provided an amazing opportunity. Yeah, yeah, that's the perfect wording. No, seriously, because, um, yeah, that's the perfect wording for it. <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I'm going to have to take that from you. <laughs> um, my next question is, what is your current pick-me-up song? Like, you need to get into that badass vibe. What's the song you hear? Hmm. Good question. I was listening to the Savage remix a lot. I will. I will admit. Um, but girl, that's my song too. But I would. But I would say. Huh. That's a good question. <laughs> I don't know. Um, oh, I really like. I don't know if I. I will. Um, I don't know if it's like my hype song, but. It's, like I've been listening to Victoria Monet's album a ton. Um, I really like it, and it's just like something I always kind of just throw on. Okay, okay. So, last question is: If you could leave us with your life motto, your life quote, what's what is it? Um, you said what? Like your life motto, like the quote you live by. What is it? No feeling is final. Mm. And probably believe, uh, believe people when they show you who they are. Ooh. Ooh, I like that. That's line. by Maya Angelou. That's I, by Maya Angelou. That woman, she's amazing. No, that's actually a really good one. I've never heard that one. Ooh. Can you repeat it again? Wait, say it again. <laughs> believe people when they show you who they are that's a whole fact oh ashton thank you so much for coming on today i feel like you dropped so much gems and said so much things that hopefully i think they will trigger a lot of thought into our listeners and i appreciate your time especially since you're so freaking busy i really appreciate you taking out like an hour to, to talk to me that means so much so thank you yeah i appreciate it too yeah thank you so much for having me So much for listening into this episode if you truly enjoyed it please feel free to share it with someone that you think can truly benefit from this episode if you have time give us a five-star rating on itunes why not help us out also um make sure you check out the show notes so you can have uh, get more information on our guests and i will be back soon tune in next week guys